I want you to hear from me. I want you to hear from our entire church to all you dads out there. Happy Father's Day. You know, if you've been around CCV for any amount of time, you know that we are a church that is passionate about reaching men and seeing men grow into all that God wants for you to become a godly follower of Jesus. But we also know in our current cultural environment, it can be tough to be a man. It can even be tougher to be a dad. So we want CCV to be a place not only that you can grow, but a place that you can win with your family. And this Father's Day, we have a just really exciting treat for you. Michael Jr. is here with us. He's been with us in the past. He's a comedian and preacher that teaches in churches across the United States. What I love about him is he's not only um, incredibly funny, he's going to make you laugh, but he opens you up so you can really hear the truth of God's word. And God speaks through him really powerfully. He also has a heart for you to understand your father, for you to really understand who God is and what he wants for your life. Get ready to be impacted. Let's give a huge CCV welcome to Michael Jr. All right. Yo, thank you so very much. I want to say what's up to all the campuses that are watching as well and the human beings that are in the room. I'm super excited about being here. I can't even tell you, like, I'm pumped. This church is dope, like, for real. If you've never been here before, like, they know how to treat people, for real, like, really. And um, my favorite part about this service is um, there's a white woman right there who has to say anything I tell her to say. Ha, ha, ha. Wow, he is so attractive. <laughs> Look at his muscles. Hey, your arms need to go up a little higher next time. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> We're going to have some fun. This is going to be a blast. I'm so excited. People watching online, too. I see you. I notice you there. This is going to be fun. We're going to have some fun. We're going to laugh. We're going to learn some stuff. I did this thing last time. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to talk to you. We're going to do some comedy, and then I'm also going to talk to you about some father stuff. But I'm probably going to do the comedy. I just made this up last service. I'm going to do the jokes will probably happen here. And then when I go into my stories, it'll probably happen here because I don't want you, to, I want you to understand the transition. I don't want you to be waiting to laugh, and it's a, it's a deep story. You're like, I don't know what to do. So that's probably what we're going to do. So Father's Day, they're always talking about, I didn't, this, this, I'll let you know when this is going to start. I'll touch it. Okay. So Father's Day, they're always talking about um, honoring your father. Like, what if, like, what if he's not honorable? Like, what if you don't feel like it? Ooh, I should say that over here. What if he don't feel like it? What if, what if you're like, ah, no, I'm good. I just thought about that. Like, what if, what if you're like, no, I'm not going to do that. Some people didn't show up to church today because of that. But some people are watching right now online, and it's like two years later, and you just stumbled across this, and now you're supposed to, you're supposed to watch. Don't turn it. Don't, don't swipe, or I don't know which way is the right way to swipe. I should stop. So we're going to jump into that. But first, let me tell you about me. I got five kids. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, um, and I travel a lot, you know, so I can see them all. Um. <laughs> I'm just playing. I don't see them. I don't see them. No, I do have five kids. Whenever you have a big family, you have to figure out ways to save money, right? We want to get our family pictures taken. That stuff was expensive. So we did to save money, right? As we all got in the front seat of the car, um, looked both ways, and ran a red light. That's what we did. That's what we did. That's what we did. 
Two weeks later, picture came in the mail. <laughs> but my son blinked, so we had to do it again. We had to do it again. I was doing that joke in prison recently, right? I wasn't in prison like, hey, I'm funny, get off me. It went like that. I have a nonprofit called Funny for the Forgotten, where we go to prisons and homeless shelters, abuse children facilities, and we take comedy there, right? So I'm, doing the, I'm in this prison, and I do the joke about the red light. And 75% of the prisoners laugh, the rest of them, nothing. Then I realized what was going on. Some of them had been locked up for so long, the dude next to him had to explain the joke. He was like, see, nowadays, when you run a red light, they send a picture with a ticket in the mail. Then he looked at the dude next to him and was like, a red light is what they use for traffic when you go down the road. And then he said, a row is what they use. I was like, wow, where am I right now? I don't work that hard to find comedy. I really believe when you're walking in or towards your purpose, God will open up doors that should be open and other doors won't even open that shouldn't. So comedy just kind of follows me. I took my daughter to get a toddler bed. It came with a 20-year warranty. I'm just going to wait some years. I'm going to take it back. They're going to be like, what's wrong? Be like, uh, her feet are hanging off the end. And her husband's uncomfortable too. <laughs> he has an amazing tan. Okay. <laughs> it's not a tan, lady. <sighs> you guys are so much fun. All right, cool. So my dad used to, uh, so when I talk about honoring your dad, like it's hard, like what if, it's, what if it's not that easy to do so? Like what if he wasn't that great a dad, right? Like I'm, I'm gonna share some stories with you of uh, some dads, but let me start with my dad. My dad used to, he used to cut my hair. But when my dad would cut my hair, he would be very aggressive in cutting my hair. What I mean is I had to sit perfectly still in the chair and I'm like, I don't know, he started cutting my hair ever since I was a baby. But all the way up to like I was 15 years old, he would cut my hair, and if I move, he would yell at me to the top of his lungs. And then he would, and then sometimes he would press the clippers kind of hard, they weren't the best clippers, and this little bone, whatever this thing is called, is there a doctor in the house? I don't know what this thing is called. But he would yell at me pretty loud, to the point where I would cry. So I couldn't stand getting my hair cut. I hated getting my hair cut. And even looking back at it, I. Every time I got my hair cut, my self-esteem got lower and lower and lower because my dad would yell at me. He would say mean things to me as he cut my hair. Then, uh, probably when I was like 19 years old, my dad's cousin, technically my cousin, told me a story about when he came over to my dad's house and he was getting his hair cut. So my grandfather used to drink a lot, like a lot. Like I don't ever remember seeing him not drunk. But when my dad was a kid, he used to cut my dad's hair. And if my dad moved even the slightest bit, his drunk father would take the clippers and hit him upside the head with the clippers. And then my cousin tells me about when he, my dad's cousin tells me about one time he walked in the house and my dad was sitting there shaking, in tears crying, with tears and blood running down his face while his drunk father made him sit still so he could cut his hair. And then he explained to me that the reason my dad was getting his hair cut at that specific time is because moments before that, his little brother was getting the same treatment. And my dad jumped in and said, no, cut my hair. 
I am so amazingly blessed that all my dad did was yell at me. Because he could have allowed all of that to travel down generationally. But instead, he said no. And he did all that he could. He never put his hands on me in that way, ever. He raised his voice. I am so blessed. I get to honor my dad because all he did was raise his voice. Now, when we, me and my son, when I cut my son's hair, we're laughing. We're playing around. I'm doing silly cuts because I know I'm going to cut it all off anyway. <laughs> I get to honor my dad because I, rarely do we imagine what our, what our father or our mom's childhood must have been like. But if you take a pause and look, you might see something that you hadn't seen before. I'm going to jump back into some jokes. So my dad used to tell, I remember when I was a kid, my dad was telling a, uh, he was telling some friends this uh, joke. Well, it wasn't a joke, it was a story that happened in our neighborhood, right? And we had a, a wino in our neighborhood named Willie. I don't know why winos are always named Willie. I don't know why that is. Anyway, his name was Willie, and he used to drink wild Irish rolls all the time. And my dad was telling the story of what happened. So Willie was on his way to Sam's store, which is on the corner, right? But Willie would always wear like a trench coat and... You guys know what a trench coat is? It's not necessary around here. I don't know if you know what that is. <laughs> anyway, Willie had on a trench coat, and he would always have his wild Irish rolls attached to his belt inside of his trench coat, and he was always drinking. And wild Irish rolls is like a red wine. One day, Willie on his way to Sam's corner store, and he get hit by a car. This dude drinks all the time. He loved drinking. He was always drunk. He gets hit by a car. Boom, he laid out his whole shirt and everything is red. And Willie looked, he's like, that better be blood. <laughs> Bro, you committed to this, aren't you? <laughs> My dad used to read uh, books to us when I was a kid. He'd read books, but he would always change the books based off of our current living situation. Whatever was going on, he would tweak the books as he read the stories to us. Right? One, one story, one, one author was uh, DJ Seuss. I don't know if you remember if you ever read some of his stuff, Green Eggs and Spam was one of the books he would read. And then um, nobody had Green Eggs and Spam. The Cat and the Rat. That was another one, The Cat and the Rat. And then there was another author, um, uh, another book. It was called uh, Winnie Was Poe. I don't know if you guys ever. Yeah, that was a, that was a great story. <laughs> this little girl like, that's not it. I'm also the type of person who loves to hug. I'm so glad the pandemic, first of all, one thing is I learned during the pandemic is I am not essential. Found that out immediately. <laughs> but I love hugging. I can't wait to we just be hugging people some more. And I hug men too, because it'd be weird if I said I just hug women. Nah, that's creepy, right? I just hug ladies. <laughs> I love hugging men too. I just love people. But men, we have some rules around hugging, right? We got some rules on how we hug. Ain't that right? Dude, we got rules, don't we? He's like, yeah, but do you know what they are? He's like, no. <laughs> you know why we don't know what they are? Because we don't talk about them. Man, we're not going to be talking. When was the last time a man in here had a conversation about how he want to be hugged? <laughs> we don't talk about it, but we do have rules. Fellas, I'm going to share the rules with you right now. Here's the rules. You're going you're to be like, yep, that is a rule, even though it's not written down anywhere because we don't need to do that. Rule number one is the hug can only last 1.4 seconds. And we know that the hug is over because of rule number two. Every single time, what do we do? We tap out. Tap, tap, release, bruh. 
Nobody taught you to tap out. You just know you're supposed to tap out. Tap, tap, release. <laughs> Fellas, you ever tap out and they don't release? you like, tap, tap, bruh, tap, tap. I'm doing Morse code on this dude back. Ta -ta 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 I tapped him so hard, he burped. I'm like, dude, you need to let go. You need to let go, man. You're doing too much. Another rule we have, right, fella, you didn't notice. I just studied it and I watched people, right? Another rule we have is left hand under, right hand over, tap out, release. Left hand under, right hand over, tap out, release. Some of y'all look confused. Let me prove to you that this is a rule right now. You ever have a dude try to go under, under? <laughs> he can't go under, under. He go under, under, you gotta go over, over. Now y'all slow dancing, that's what you're doing. You slow dancing right now, turn on the Luther Vandross. That's what you should do right now. Or for this audience, Barry Manilow. I don't know which one it is, but you gotta. Another rule, I didn't share this with the last service, I'm gonna share with y'all. I'm 6'2". If you 5'2", I'm sorry, you out the hug zone, bro. I don't know what to do with your head in my chest. What am I supposed to say? There, there, how's my heartbeat? How's my heartbeat? I don't know what to do. You out the hug zone, sorry. So I wrote this book called Funny How Life Works. And uh, I can't share, obviously, all the stories with you, but there is, there's this, there's this one story. That's, so in the middle of my show one time, I felt like God told me to bring this lady up on stage so she could really bless the audience. I didn't even know the details behind it. I bring her up on stage, she's deaf. <laughs> what took place was amazing. I don't got time to tell you about it. You should get the book. The story I want to share with you, though, is I have a friend named, uh, <laughs> in high school, I had this friend. And we were almost, people thought we were twins. They thought we were brothers. And his name was Dwayne for this story. I'm not going to share his real name with you because, anyway, his name was Dwayne. We grew up in Michigan. And everybody thought we were twins. Literally, we would go to school. Everybody thought we were twins. We would compete at everything. Everything we would compete. There was really two main differences, looking back at it, between me and Dwayne. One, I had my dad in my life. Dwayne didn't. He had never met his dad before. And then number two, I played sports. And he didn't do, only sports he's played was run from the police. That's the only sport he ever played before. So, but we would compete on everything. I'm talking about all the time, we would always compete. Like arm wrestle, we would arm wrestle sometime, and nobody could budge the other person for like 30 minutes straight. And as soon as all the girls was gone, we are like, this is stupid, let go. So we would compete at everything. In high school, though, as I started playing sports, I realized that I was really fast, and I could probably, at this point, smoke him in a foot race. So I came up with this plan, right? Because I know what I'm, like, listen, I played high school football. I played receiver, and I played safety, right? So I was crazy fast. Um, I was third string. Some about you have to hold on to the ball when you catch it, whatever. But I was fast, so here's my plan. At our school in Michigan, it was Ottawa Hills High School, they had this thing called a catwalk. Now a catwalk is like a covered bridge that connects two buildings. And this thing was like 100, 110, 120 yards long. And at the end of the catwalk were the, were the doors, just like they have here with the bar across the bottom. You push the door, it opens up, and then the hydraulics slowly close the door. So here's my plan. I'm gonna get Dwayne to race me in a foot race, but, I'm, but what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna run fast, probably 60, maybe 70% until halfway through, then I'm gonna turn on the gears and just blast this dude out the water. So once and for all, he know who's the fastest, who's the best, period, right? 
because he is pretty awesome. Thank you, lady. Anyway, so now we get to the catwalk, right? And we're running. We're like, on your march, get set, go. And I take off, and I'm running fast, but I'm only at almost like 60, 50% right now, somewhere around there. And I'm moving out. Dwayne's right next to me. That's okay. I pump up to 70%. We're not quite halfway there yet, and this dude is right next to me. I'm like, cool. Then I kick it in all gears, 100%. I'm moving out. I'm talking about moving now. On this side of my face, my peripherals, I see a bunch of colors going by because there's artwork on the wall. So the colors are going by. Over here, it's just mocha brown. That's Dwayne, everybody. So I'm like, wait, this don't make sense. I'm at 100%. Why is this dude still next to me? So I kick it into 110. I don't think I ever ran this fast before. One time, my neighbor's dog got loose. Other than that, I'm at 110, I'm moving as fast as I can. I close my eyes, I open them up, mocha brown. I'm at 110%, I ain't got nothing left. So I look over at him a little bit and this dude says to me in a calm, still voice, are you ready? And blows me out the water. This dude was, I thought I pulled two hamstrings and somebody poured some sand on the ground. This dude was moving out. I had no idea he had gotten this fast. No idea, so I came with this idea. I'm going to get Dwayne to raise Donzel Jenkins. You don't know who Donzel Jenkins is, but everybody in, in my school knew who he was. If you ever watched a high school movie, he's that dude with the girls, and he had a football under him, but his, his sport was track. Dude was fast. Fastest person in the school, second fastest high schooler in the state of Michigan. Crazy fast. So I'm like, I'm going to get them to race, but they didn't really like each other, so I had to put a little salt in the game. I was like, yo, Dwayne. You know, Donzel said he'd, he'd dust you off. He's like, what? I was like, yeah, I'm just telling you. Then I went to Donzel. I was like, dude, he tripping. He said he was smoke. Boom, back to the catwalk, the sequel. So we're at the catwalk. I'm at one end, both of these dudes at the other end. Now I can see that the catwalk has a little bow in it because I could really only see half of their body. In fact, I could only see a quarter of Donzel's body because he's down like this. Dwayne is standing up like this because he don't know how to run. He just happened to be crazy fast. So I'm at one end, I'm like, on your march, because I called it march back then, I didn't know it was march, I'm just being real, so I was like, on your march. <laughs> I really thought it was march, so I was a grown man. I thought it was march until I wrote the book. They was like, it's not march. I was like, it's not march, it was march when I was growing up. Chapter two, it still say, I put march in the book too, by the way, anyway. So I'm like, on your march, get set, go. And these two dudes take off. They are moving. And, I'm, and I just, I said, you know what? I'm not the official no more. I'm cheering for Dwayne. I'm like, go, Dwayne, go. Go, Dwayne, go. And he actually keeping up with the second fastest high schooler in the state of Michigan, and they halfway through. I'm like, go, Dwayne, go. Go, Dwayne, go. And they're moving. I'm talking about moving out. And then Dwayne turns to Donzel Jenkins in a calm, still voice and says, are you ready? and smoked that fool. I'm talking about smoked him. You don't understand. He blew through his door and it came to a complete close before Donzel Jenkins reached his door. Amazing speed. Crazy speed that nobody ever knew about. Except for me, Donzel, he ain't telling nobody. <laughs> and when I asked him, when I said, dude, why, why, why didn't you do anything with this? And what he always says is, man, my dad wasn't there for me. If my dad was there to push me, I probably would have been somebody. Even to this day with the things that he's doing currently, 
He's blaming the fact that he never met his dad, that his dad wasn't there for him. And I tried to explain to him, dude, that's 100% untrue. Like, it's just not the case at all. Just because your horizontal father was not there, your vertical father always is. If you're watching right now, if you're in this room and, you, and that's your story, you're not lacking anything. You can do exactly what you're called to do with everything that you have right now, regardless to what your horizontal father did. I'm going to say this probably a couple times because I, can't, I wrote this line in the back. The reason your father is not perfect is because you already got a perfect father. He can't be perfect. If your dad on this earth was perfect, why would you need him? Go over here. <laughs> so I got a friend who uh, every time I see him, I buy him a smart water. And then the next time I see him, I'm always disappointed. I, got this, I have a friend who recently came to Jesus, but he used to be on drugs a lot, and he always called me with stuff you find in the Bible, but he called me pumped. He was excited. He's like, dude, did you know they got stoned in the Bible? It's like, <laughs> yeah, but it's different. It's different, though. <laughs> then I hit him with a rock. <laughs> I went into this uh, business, and it was clear, um, it was pretty clear to me that they did not want to serve me because of the color of my skin. I'm not going back to that tanning salon. This is the last time I'm going in there. <laughs> I was on this side of the mic, people. <laughs> Listen, the only reason I went into the tanning salon is because I wanted to come out of a tanning salon. <laughs> yo, I timed it perfect, too. I timed it perfect. I was walking out, these two little white ladies walking in. I was like, yo, they didn't calibrate. They didn't, <laughs> they didn't calibrate. Hey, so this next joke, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. I didn't do this whole thing. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. So I'm going to do this joke, and I'm going to do the first part. I really, should, I really should take a step when I do this joke. First, let me tell you the emotions you're going to go through. It's a two-part joke. got two punchlines to it. The first time you hear the first part, you're going to laugh really hard. It's going to be awesome, the first punchline. Second punchline is going to confuse you. You're not going to know what to do. You can be like, what should I do? And technically, I should be over here when I deliver it. But I'm just going to stay over here because this is funny. So that's what you're going to go through with this joke. So here it is. Um, so I think Jesus was black. Hear me out. Um, he walked on water, but he didn't get in. <laughs> and they was only supposed to arrest him. I'm going to let you deal with that one for a little while. <laughs> so one of the things that blessed me a lot when, as I read the Bible is the um, Abraham, the obedience of Abraham. I don't know if you oh, Abraham was dope. Like, first of all, he's the father of fathers. Like, he was the father. Not the, but he's a, uh, and he was everybody's father, right? So, let me add on, but he messed up. <laughs> the thing that blessed me about Abraham was the obedience of his household. His name used to be Abram, and then one day God changed his name to Abraham and told him to go home and circumcise his entire household. Then the Bible says he went home that very same day and did it, even the servants. That is obedience. I'm just saying, I don't know if I could have been a servant. I would have had a couple questions first. 
I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait, what, what happened? What happened? You said you changed your name? Well, I don't think I know you then, do I? Do I know you? <laughs> Hold on, man. Can we just talk for a second? I just, can we just talk first? I just want to have a conversation. <sighs> hey, can you stop sharpening them rocks while we talking, man? This stuff is it's distracting. It's distracting me. Okay, what exactly did God say? His words, please. Okay, okay. Circumcised in the flesh of the foreskin. You sure he didn't say your skin? <laughs> just go back up there and check, man. Go back and check. So there's this game that I want to introduce you to. And for, for some of you guys, this game will be, it'll be easy to play. And some of you, it'll be a little complex. It'll be hard, but I, I really encourage you to play the game. You're not going to play it now, but I want you to play it when you go home, or maybe even before you go home. Maybe you'll just sit in your chair at the end and just play this game until you come up with the answers necessary to win the game. So I was, uh, I was sitting with some friends well, they're not really friends. I mean, there's a group of guys, like these business leader dudes, and I, I'm the type of person, I want to be around, like whenever I have a group that I hang around on a regular, I want to be like the second least smartest and the brokest. Here's the thing. If you're the smartest person in your group, you need another group. So these dudes are doing big stuff business-wise, Christian, like just some great people, right? And uh, we just, we're just kicking it at this, we're eating food and kicking it, and then somehow we got on the subjects of fathers, and they started talking about their dads. And guy number one talked about how his dad was always on drugs. And when he was like nine years old, his dad actually, uh, seven to nine years old, his dad actually gave him some drugs. And then his dad would take him out and show him how to buy drugs at nine years old. And you can feel the tension in the room building. Then the next guy, call him guy number two, he speaks. He said, man, my dad, he always, always cheated on my mom. He said, he said, I'd have to be there with my mom while she's crying, time after time. She's in tears crying. There's nothing I can do because she takes him back and he does it again. And the third dude goes, and I'm like, so the third guy goes, and he's like, man, my, my dad, uh, he said his dad remarried a woman who had a special needs child. And instead of them taking care of the child, they put it on him to take care of the child. And he just had disdain for his dad because he didn't get to have a childhood. And I'm sitting here and I'm listening to him. And I'm like, man, snap. <sighs> okay. Um, and I come up with this idea in the moment. I say, hey, you guys are blaming your dad for a lot of stuff. And I got some stuff I could blame my dad too, but let's do it a little different. Let's re-blame. Let's, let's call this the re-blame game because we're really good at blaming our dads for stuff that they did wrong. But what if we did the re-blame game and blamed them, blamed them for stuff that they did that actually helped us, whether they're aware of it or not? I'll go first. I said, I blame my dad because now I look forward to cutting my son's hair because we laugh every time. I couldn't have that experience with my son if not for the experience I had with my dad. And I explained that to him. And then the guy who's the guy in the middle who, whose dad kept cheating on his mom. He, it was quiet for a good three minutes. Then he spoke up. He said, I never thought about this before. He said, but I blame my dad 
for the fact that under no circumstance would I ever, he'd been married for 32 years or so. He said, I've never, ever even remotely considered cheating on my wife, ever. Because I saw how much it would hurt my mom and I can't put my wife through that. I blame my dad that I'm that type of husband. And I'm getting chills at this point. So then the guy who had to raise a special needs sibling spoke up. And he couldn't figure it out at first. And then I had to tell him, I said to him, hey, so, he said, I don't know what, I could, what, what, what my dad has done good for me. I, I don't got anything. I said, so, tell me about your business again. He was like, what, what do you mean? Because he owns a bunch of nursing homes. And he trains people how to take care of special needs. I'm like, so what do... <laughs> and you could just see the light bulb go off like, bling. He said, oh, he had ne it never dawned on him. The reason he is so good at what he does is because his dad put him in a position where he could love people in that way. And now he does it on a, on a mass scale. And this dude starts to tear up. I'm tearing up. We all tearing up at the table. I wanted to start talking about football, but I didn't want to lose the moment. <laughs> then the guy whose dad gave him drugs when he was nine years old and would sell drugs with him, and then his dad had died like two years earlier, and he was hot, livid. Couldn't stand, he couldn't stand his dad at all. I was like, yo, this, the other, one of the billionaires, because all of them was like billionaires, well, two of them. He said to him, he said, so what about you, man? How do you reblame your dad? He said, I got nothing, man. My dad gave me drugs. You want me to come up with something good that he did? And he was, he was getting a little upset. He pulled away from the table. I said, oh, dude, it's just a, it's a game. You can't play it, whatever. <laughs> and I know this dude is super competitive. I was like, that's okay, man. If you just lost the game, it's okay. <laughs> and then he's mad. You can see the little jaw muscles flexing. He didn't even had no jaw muscles before. I'm like, where does stuff come from? So, so I asked him, I said, have you ever done drugs? He said, well, you know, my dad gave me drugs. I said, other than that, as an adult, have you ever done drugs? He said, I smoked weed one time. I said, so let me get this right. How many businesses have you had? He said, he said nine. I said, so how many of them have gone bankrupt? None of them. He built a business. He dug in, and then he would sell the business and make a profit. Nine businesses so far, and all of them sold for multi multiple millions of dollars. I said, I know this about you. Because when you start something, you go all in. He's like, that's right. I said, but you started weed. You, you started drugs. And you could, see, you could see his shoulders just drop. And he said, I blame my dad. The drugs are not a part of my life and they never will be. See, God will use anyone. God has used your father to get you to where you are, your earthly father. You, you can't have a perfect dad. Your dad here on earth cannot be perfect because you already got a perfect father. You already have one. So listen, I want you guys to play this game. I want you to do the math because for years, some of you watching online to other campuses, for years you've been blaming your dad for stuff. He can't do this. He never did this. He wasn't there for me. Listen, why is it that you are at all of your kids' games? Why are you such an amazing dad? Is it because your dad wasn't there at all? I think you should blame him for that because that's going to be some freedom for you in a significant way. And the Bible calls us to honor our parents. 
I'm gonna drop one more joke before we bounce. So, in my comedy, people will always ask me, they'll approach me sometimes, be like, Michael Jr., what makes you laugh? And what really makes me laugh really is uh, awkwardness. <laughs> Did you feel it just now? <laughs> it is the best. Like, I'll look for awkwardness. Like, I'll get on an elevator when there's like six or seven people in there. I'll let the door close behind me, and I won't turn around. And they're like, what floor? I'm like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and then I'll say something random, like, it's Tuesday, but it's really Friday, <laughs> and everyone gets off on the next floor. <laughs> then I just giggle my way to the top. And then I go to the stairwell, and I'm saying people from the elevator. And when I see them, I'm like, it's Thursday, and they go right back down the stairs. It's the best, man. What about this? You ever go on a job interview, and partway through, you realize, huh, I don't want to work here. <laughs> At that point, you should enjoy the process. You don't want the job anyway. Just have fun. They ask you weird questions. Tell me a little bit about yourself. You're like, you know what? Why don't you go first? <laughs> in fact, how about this? Tell me, where do you see me in five years? Because <laughs> they always ask you those questions like, tell me about a time you had a disagreement with a coworker and tell me how you worked it out. This is what you say. Oh, yeah, so... I, I did some work. It was really, it was a hard project. I did all the work, and my colleague took credit for it. They didn't do anything. They took all the credit, never even mentioned me. So here's what I did. I walked over to the cubicle. Uh, fast forward, here I am. <laughs> this is fun, too. This is fun, too. I use a phrase, just for awkwardness, I'll use a phrase the right way that most people use the wrong way. It creates awkwardness, and it's fun. You got to try this. I'm telling you, you got to try it. Here's what I do. I walk up to, I'll be out in public somewhere and I'll see a stranger, somebody I don't know. We never met before, right? They're maybe 20, 15 feet away from me. And I'll say to him, hey there, stranger. <laughs> Haven't seen you in forever, <laughs> which is true. Then I just walk off. <laughs> it is the best. It'll be awkward while you're doing it. When you get home, you will be cracking up laughing. And then 30 days later, you'll be cracking up in your kitchen all over again. <laughs> seemingly for no reason. But it's not for no reason. Because you know at that moment, that person is thinking about you right now. <laughs> Who was that at Walmart that day? Huh. By the way, there's, there's four words you can say at the end of any amazing story, and people will believe it. It can be a, a crazy story. You say these four words, people are going to believe it. I got a story for you. Completely unbelievable. Check it out. Um, I met a lady who had a tail. For real. An actual lady, she had a tail. I was at Walmart. <laughs> Did you see what just happened? You see what happened? He was like, no, no. I was at Walmart. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know her. I know her. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why didn't you say that? Why didn't you say that? You should say Walmart. Here's my theory. I don't think that people at Walmart are crazy. I think what happens is when we go to Walmart, as soon as we cross the threshold, we become those people. <laughs> I just, I think that's what happens. I think as soon as you cross the threshold, three teeth fall out. <laughs> and you got on some bunny rabbit house shoes all of a sudden. You're like, what is this? Why do I got pajamas on? I don't know what just happened. Try it. Go today. Try it. Just tell some crazy story in the end of it. I was at Walmart. They'd be like, oh, you should have said that. You should have said that.
All right, so I want to keep y'all confused. So me and my, here's the reason I want you to play the no blame game is because you will be able, when you get your horizontal relationship right, and it doesn't have anything to do with the other person. It doesn't have nothing to do, maybe it's not a good idea for you to contact your dad. Great. But it doesn't have anything to do, you don't have to contact this person in order to have your relationship right. It doesn't have anything to do, I mean, that's great, that's bonus. And some of you should reach out to your dad. There's probably some people watching, you ain't talked to him in a long time. And you're thinking, I don't need him, I don't need him. Well, maybe it's not about what you need. Maybe it's about what he needs. Also, I know there's some awesome fathers in here right now. The fact you got your family in church with you is doggone dope. Like, big ups to you. That is awesome. Like, for real. So, the reason I really want you to do this, I want you to play the reblame game. I want you to get free from whatever little... The reason is, is because you can hear God's voice so much clearer. You can receive him so much better. So much better. I'm telling you. The Bible actually says, don't come to the altar with some burdens, with some, with some unforgiveness. And if you're a Christian and you're unforgiving, my friend said this once, I got to repeat it. It is beast and it's going to hurt a little bit. I'm going to get way over here. If you're a Christian and you're holding some unforgiveness, here's what you're saying. God, it's okay if you forgive them. But my standards are just a little higher. So me and my wife were looking at some old home videos recently, and uh, we came across this video of our youngest daughter being born. It's not her being born, because I'm not going to show you that video. My wife would be like, what in the world? Anyway, <laughs> my wife don't even talk like that. She would have been like, hmm, help me understand. My wife is amazing. She wrote a book called Before He Finds You, which is about women before. Oh, she's just awesome, amazing. I'm pretty awesome, too. No, 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 I was just talking to her. So we're looking at this video. It's a, it's, a book of our, it's a video of our youngest daughter being born. Let me set it up for you. She's two and a half minutes old. Now, I took this video, but I'd never understood the power of it until I sat back and watched the video. She's two and a half minutes old, and they got her under that little uh, chicken warmer. A little... <laughs> same one from the restaurant. I don't know what kind of insurance we had, but it was... <laughs> so they got her under a little chicken warmer, and about to... And she's two and a half minutes old, and the nurse is about to clean her up, and she starts to cry. I want you to notice what happens when she hears my voice. It's okay, for it. Look, I'm right here. It's okay. It's okay. I'm right here. I'm right here. We're doing just fine. It's okay. It's okay. I'm right here. Right here. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay, baby. That was pretty awesome. So now it's probably, I'm guessing maybe seven, seven and a half minutes or so later, the nurse is done cleaning her up. She starts to cry. I speak up and she stops crying again. But I want you to notice what happens when I tell her I love her. Portland, it's okay. It's okay. It's good. It's good. It's good. I'm right here. I'm right here. I am right here. I love you. I love you. I love you. 
So here's the thing. There's going to be times in life where things seem extremely hard. Extremely hard. Maybe it's on the tail end of this pandemic or whatever you may be going through in life. The key thing to do in those moments is to be still and listen for the Father's voice. Because he is talking to you. And what he wants you to know is that he's right here. He loves you. All you have to do is open your eyes. And when I say open your eyes, if, if you notice, when my daughter, when she opened her eyes, she looked up, literally looked up towards me. It will cause you to cry often if you're only looking horizontally. If you only look horizontally, there's a lot of reasons to cry. We got pandemics. We got elections, we got people mad, we got racism, we got all sorts of stuff as we look horizontally. And if you want to continue to cry and be hurt, just continue to look that way. Just continue to look horizontally at a father who wasn't there or a father who didn't live up to what you felt like he should, a father who simply wasn't perfect. But if you make the decision to go vertically with your look, vertically with your answers, you're going to find something pretty amazing. You're going to find a good, good father. And you'll also find out that your father here on earth actually did, and this is gonna be hard for some people to swallow, but I know in this moment I'm supposed to say this, and you need to work on receiving this. Your dad did the absolute best that he could. Somebody just thought right now, you don't know what my dad did. Your father knows what your dad did. Your dad did the absolute best he could. You don't even know what he had to go through to get where he got to. So there's some people in this room who need to release their earthly father from your expectations. This is where freedom is. This is what it looks like when you open your eyes. There's some people watching online. There's some people at the other campuses. You need to release your earthly father from your expectations. So that's what we're going to pray about. I don't even pray at the end of my things no more. Like, but we're going to pray. So if everybody could bow their head, close your eyes for a moment. And if you feel, I'm going I'm to pray. When you hear these words, I want you to repeat them. If you mean them, if you can't, if you don't mean them, don't say them, but work on it. Because you're not hearing the father's voice as clear as you need to as a result of this right here. When you release someone from all expectations, there's so much joy on the other side of that. I know it sounds impossible to some people right now. How do you release somebody from expectations? God has no expectations on you. The father has no expectations on you. So repeat after me. Dear God, right now, I release my earthly father from the expectations I put on him. I forgive him, Father. I love you. 
I want to hear your voice. I know that you have made up for every area that he lacked. I know that I'm stronger and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I believe it and I receive it. You are a good, good father. Have your way in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, there is some doggone freedom on the other side of that prayer we just did. I don't know if y'all feeling it or not, but there's some significant freedom on the other side of that prayer you just prayed. And I want you to play the reblame game too. Like play it today. Don't bring your friends over, you're gonna confuse them. Let's just think, remember when your dad slapped you? No, 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 you're supposed to, now, you, you, remember, now you're a fight. No, don't mess it up. Just play the game for yourself. And if you feel called, share it with somebody else. If you feel called. I love you guys. I appreciate you. Thank you so much.